I would like to welcome back my listener to WTF Politics and other stuff too. Today I conducted my first interview for the podcast. Maybe a little rough around the edges, but the subject matter is relevant to today's political climate. So here you go and take a listen. Hey, Derek, thanks for coming on and agreeing to talk to uh, talk to us about your experience as a polling manager in South Carolina. I know the election has been over for a little bit, but your experience is still relevant today as we see the Democrats trying to overturn the uh, the election in Iowa's 2nd Congressional District. So uh, let's jump right in. Uh, first off, what got you into politics? What uh, got you thinking about and thinking about it and getting involved? Uh, well, originally I was working for a charity out in Los Angeles mm-hmm. and one of the people that was kind of like, you know, one of the head guys was Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right. I remember that. <clears throat> yeah. And before my, somehow I became like the event manager for this big event they were having. And about five days before he went on the tonight show and said, I'm running for governor. And then he disappeared for five days. And the first thing he went to is my event. So, and it, that I wasn't, you know, running or whatever. Um, okay. So, and it was like my first event ever. But, anyways, it was just kind of cool and exciting. And, you know, I was like, oh, politics can be kind of exciting, you know? It can be. Yeah. And then, um, you know, I have my business where I'm outside all the time. Right. And I have a machine that makes a lot of noise, so I had to put on headphones. And so really, you know, listening to Rush Limbaugh and, okay, you know, I mean, that's all I did for, for the last 10 years. You know, half the year I'm listening to talk radio and you learn a lot. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's amazing how, uh, at least our generation, we really didn't get involved in early age, but now that it really affects us. Um, and we can see that it does, but that we do get involved. Or um, we're just getting old. Well, there, there is that too. <laughs> what, uh, what made you decide to be a polling manager? How did, how did that come to fruition? So one of my neighbors was running for mayor of Charleston, and mm-hmm. he knew that I had, you know, I told him I had a little bit of background with it, and I was interested in politics. So he asked me to be a poll watcher. Okay. And a poll watcher, what they do is they basically keep an eye on making sure that nothing funny's going on during a right. Um, so there's there's actually only a few rules. Um, there, there's like there's like four rules. Uh, okay, one, you have to be a voter. Um, conversations between the watchers and voters are not permitted within the polling place. Okay. And you can't wear a badge more than four and a quarter inches by four and a quarter inches specifying the name of the candidate. Um, and you have to have a letter, but that's kind of irrelevant. Um, so I saw the, you know, I, it was like four rules. And um, I believe in rules when it comes to elections. Right. And the first thing I saw when I walked in is people wearing giant badges with colorful, you know, it's supposed to like, even the text, it, it, it's specific. Like the text can be this large and black and white. Mm-hmm. 
And the other poll watchers are sitting there and they're wearing giant, you know, big things with the name on it. Right. And, uh, so that kind of made me upset. And so I said something to the poll manager and they corrected it. And then the other thing was there was one lady in particular who was for the other candidate, mm-hmm. literally walking up to everybody in line, hugging them, saying hi, walking into the back the area where they had the voting machines. I mean, it was just crazy. Um, so that's what made me want to be a poll manager because I felt that they were not following these four, there's three, like three rules, four rules, you know, they even mm-hmm. have a taped out area where you can go. Um, so that's why I said, okay, I'm going to be a poll manager so I can have, you know, at least I know that if I have a precinct, I can make sure it's running properly. Okay, well, sounds good. What what kind of tr- did what kind of training did you receive for this? You know, what uh, did you have to go through? Was it like an online course or in person sit down kind of thing? Oh, um, it it was a joy. It was I think six hours of you had to go to the election area or the election wherever they they have a central location. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like, I can't remember exactly long how long it was, but I know it's an 80-page book filled with okay. rules, 80 pages of rules. And um, it was like eight hours of just, I don't want to say torture, but... Death by PowerPoint? Yeah, <laughs> death by PowerPoint, that would be... Okay. But, you know, and you, you don't really get paid to do it. You know, I think the first time I did, I think you get paid $165 for the whole shebang. Okay. So. Oh, so you can make a buck. Yeah. A buck. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe 50 cents after taxes. Yeah. After taxes. They do tax it too, by the way. I'm sure they do. Yeah. yeah, You get a W2. Yeah. Everything. Nice. Nice. So you mentioned Charleston. Uh, What uh, area in Charleston did you work um, the presidential election, like what area district polling were you area were you responsible for? Well, I was when I was a I was at when I was a poll watcher, I was at four different locations. Okay. Candidate. So they're just trying to get an idea of which you know polling locations are how many people are showing up. It, it gives a good indicator. As a polling manager, I was um downtown both times two different locations okay um and i can't remember the name of the uh they're they're like high schools and elementary schools okay um, but basically downtown charleston south carolina right and there's at each well the first time i did it twice uh the first time there were four people so there's four poll managers it was a small polling area right and after for the presidential election um, with COVID, there was a push for, because it was a lot of elderly folks um, were your polling managers. You know, they're retired, right. they're more into politics, and so they're willing to, to do this. Um, but after COVID, they were all, <clears throat> um, they you know, it was all young people. So we had like 12 or 15 it was crazy the difference (laughs) right 
I guess the older folks were a little, a little more afraid to be out. Absolutely. Yeah. So with COVID yeah, under- on, understandable for the presidential election, um, you know, it was still sort of fresh and, um, but you know, I, I was there. I know one other person was there and we were there for 12 hours and there's a lot of people there and nobody caught COVID. So that was good. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Uh, I take it. You guys had to take, you know, the disinfecting measures and you know, keeping stuff clean, cleaning off each station after someone goes in and votes, I imagine. Yep. That was basically, they were, they were really good about all that and, you know, hand sanitizer by the gallon, you know? Right. Okay. Uh, yep. So during the presidential election and as people were voting, what, if anything, did you observe that was not kosher or it seemed not right? Well, the first one, which was actually the Democrat um, election, which is where Joe Biden actually kind of went into the lead in South Carolina. Um, One of the rules in the 80 pages of books, one of the things they talk about is not to, you're not supposed to be political there. You're supposed to be professional. Right. And you have to get there at like six in the morning. I was there at like or, or five. It's crazy. You have to get up really early. Um, I was there. I was the first one there. And another lady showed up. And the first thing that she did is she started talking about how she hated Trump and Trump's evil. And, you know, and then the other people showed up and they were all like talking about it. And I was just trying to be quiet. And they figured it out, you know. Right. Uh, and then at the second one, the one for the actual presidential election, um, I did see one thing that, you know, a guy had moved and they let him vote. And I guess it's up to, cause there's a, actually somebody in charge of the whole thing, but mm-hmm. I was the poll manager and, um, you know, it was one guy that he had moved and he admitted. And I said, well, sorry, you can't vote. Cause I was trying to follow the rules. And she's like, no, no, the lady in charge, she just was like, don't worry about it. Um, also, you know, she showed up late. And there's no like qualifications for being up in charge of this. Oh, so any run of the mill psychopath can, <laughs> can I mean, do it. I was involved. So there you go. But uh, they didn't run any background checks on you or no, I mean, you know, fingerprints, anything. It's kind of like a jury. I mean, you, you know, there's no, I suspect some of these people, I mean, from what I heard, she had been doing it for years. Okay. And I don't know if that's a good thing personally, but I do know that she was late and nothing was set up and people were voting and we were designating and this is another thing that I saw was kind of wrong. You're supposed to have a table for what they call a resolution table. It's supposed to be semi-private. Okay. And they had it set up and then with COVID and, and this wasn't necessarily her fault, but with COVID you had to separate. So you had to have everybody further out and you have an area where people are checking in. Mm-hmm. They go to the voting machine. Well, they were checking people in too fast. So we had to reroute, you know, everything around the coat, uh, the resolution table. So that was kind of a, you know, not so great situation. Cause if anybody did have an issue, you'd have 20 people surrounding the person, <laughs> you know, right? <laughs> it was, it's hard to explain, but basically that and, and stuff like that's going to happen, but you know, Oh, so someone have had so if someone had a problem, they would go to this resolution table to hopefully get a resolution. Yeah. But, you know, well, but yeah. there was, 
So if they're they have like an expired driver's license or they don't have a oh, photo okay. ID, you know, if they don't have a photo ID, you can still vote. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Didn't see a lot of it here, but I heard about a lot of it in a lot of different areas. Yeah, same here. Yeah, I mean, it's, well, I guess I'm used to voting in Georgia and not California, where I'm, you know, behind enemy lines now. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, in Georgia, you needed a photo ID. You know, just. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I think that's fair. There's a whole process, and you have to ask them why don't you have an ID. But at the end of the day, whatever they say, you don't really have a choice over it. And then there's like a panel that looks at it, and if they have a reason to believe the person's lying. It's like an affidavit you're signing, essentially. Then they can, you know, question that person. But I don't know if they do that all the time. Basically, they just, oh, here you go. Go ahead and vote is kind of the. Yeah. Okay. There's a hey. lot. Oh, go ahead. No, no, I'm just saying, I mean, it's, it, it's sad that it is that way. But in this day and age, I'm really not surprised the way things are going. Yeah, me neither. I, I mean, personally, I think if you. If you need a license to drive, which, by the way, isn't a right. Drive, you know, True. driving is not a right, but uh, it's a privilege. It's a privilege. Um, but yeah, I mean, you need an ID to drive. You need an ID to open a bank account. You need an ID to collect Social Security, unemployment. I mean, buy a gun. Uh, I mean, the list goes on. Travel on a plane. You can't just yep on a plane. I mean, oh, I. Oh, shoot. Nowadays, you almost need a passport to get on a plane when they finally implement that uh, real ID bit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to use my passport. <laughs> I've got a yeah. passport. I'm like, well, I'm not going to bother with the real ID. But no, it just, you know, at the very minimum, I don't know about actually a voter ID separate, but a driver's license, a photo ID of something should be required, in my opinion. I mean, you can get a state ID. It's not a driver's license, yeah. just a state ID. But apparently, you know. that's you know, that's some evil plot, you know, to make these people get an ID. I mean, that's some kind of way that we're suppressing people. Which yeah, makes no sense to me personally. No, I got gotcha. you. But uh, you know, so are there any consequences for not following the rules? You know, as a poll watcher manager. You know, is someone in there? Is there any consequences for letting things slide? I mean, yeah. I mean, theoretically, there's an oath that you're supposed to, you know, or everybody says that they're going to do something. Um, but at the end of the day, the poll, the person in charge of the poll, you know, unless you went and filed a thing and went through a whole process, I guess. But um, Oh, so the head honcho at the poll place has final say and everything pretty much? Yeah, I mean, I like I said, I had that one instance where the guy admitted to moving. He still had a driver's license for where we were, but he moved to like Tennessee or something. And I said, "Well, you can't vote. I'm sorry." Probably so wait, he drew, he drove all the way from Tennessee well, to he, South Carolina to vote. Yeah, and it had something to do with like his mom was ill, and you know, I I, I just know I was following the rules, and and she came up. Oh no, it's fine. You know. Okay. So, uh, do you plan on continuing continuing your involvement in politics, getting more involved? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's important with, you know, what's going on right now is just crazy. Um, yeah, it's, uh, 
it, it's pretty wild, you know. It's uh, it's amazing how uh, the past administration's getting blamed for all the troubles of what's happening now, even though the current administration sort of like torpedoed everything the last one did. Yeah. Hence creating creating problems, but, you know. I mean, you know, it's funny is I actually agree with like everything Democrats say. I was, I'm, I'm like, that's a great idea, but there's they don't ever look at the consequences of what happens. I mean, for example, the border, you have like, what do they call them? Coyotes. Yeah. And those are not necessarily good people. And nope. they're, people are drowning, like trying to come over and, you know, it'd be great if we could just let everybody in and, you know, and no, you know, if, if they were to pay for themselves, but if everybody else has to pay and, you know, it's just a bad situation down there. What's going on? Hey, I, I agree with you. I'm open to letting anybody come over that does it the right way. Yeah. You know, and contributes to society, you know, comes over, works hard. And there's plenty of people that are doing that. Cause I think right now with the current situation on the border, um, the ones that have come over legally or are in the process of becoming citizens, you know, I'd be a little pissed off if all of a sudden, you know, President Biden and the administration says, oh, well, you guys are citizens now. We're going to take care of you. Just like that. They didn't have to do anything that the people who came over legally did. You know, it's, it's like a slap in the face to them. Yeah. And who do you think they're going to vote for? Oh, <laughs> I mean, that's, Can't imagine. that's what it is They're They don't care. Like, this is how I look at it. They don't care about the kids that are whatever's happening. It's got to be horrible. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't care about any of that. They just won't vote. I mean, that's how I see it. That's how a lot of people see it. And I, I agree with it to a certain extent, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's a sad situation all around. Um, Actually, I was reading just before we started talking that uh, 500 teenagers from Mexico are being housed in the uh, convention center uh, downtown now. They kicked out the homeless they were housing and put these kids in there. Yeah. You know, and that's the other thing. A lot of people feel we can't take take care of our own homeless, but yet we're going to spend all this money on people who illegally came to the country. Yeah, it's so. just we're paying six million dollars a day to these construction companies because Biden stopped the wall. And yep. contract, it, it says six million dollars a day. It would be cheaper to f- just finish it. <laughs> I mean, I hear you. And, and it's not like the U.S. is a million people we allow in the country to be citizens every year. Right. That's a lot of people. Yeah. And China, you I, if I wanted to be a Chinese citizen, I couldn't. They don't they don't want you to be they they don't do that. I mean, they prefer to they prefer to export as opposed to import. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but or even Australia, I mean, they're a good example. I went to Australia a year ago and it's a very diverse group of people. But right. They're um everybody was what do you call it when they uh they look at somebody's background. I'm getting old. Oh, me too. Uh, what do you mean, look at somebody's they background? They look at someone's merits. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, 
Okay, the merits yeah. of the person. Okay. The person's not going to, you know, you come be part of our country and, you know, you're going to be able to sustain yourself and all that. Mm-hmm. And with this situation, it's like complete opposite. And maybe we need to get involved with the politics of these countries. I heard that like a third of El Salvadorians live in our country. I mean, maybe hmm. we need to try to help their countries become free and, you know, less violent and so that they can stay there. I mean, maybe that's what we should be putting more energy towards that. I mean, I don't know how bad it is down there. Uh, yeah, neither do I. It's, uh... They never cover that. They never talk yeah. about that. But, you know, it is what it is, and uh, you know, we're just going to have to deal with it and deal with the fallout. Exactly. <laughs> you know, well, hey, man, I appreciate you coming on. Sure. I appreciate it. Uh, you're my first interview, so awesome. hooray for that. And I'm glad it's a buddy of mine that I've known for, shoot, 30 years now. A long time. I know. We're on opposite coasts. We were back back in Marietta hanging out. Short. Yep, Marietta, Georgia. With Newt Gingrich. That's right. His office was right across from our elementary school. Yeah, he used to come into the theater uh, every once in a while. and uh, But uh, that's a whole other story. Oh. <laughs> but, hey, thanks again for coming on. Sure. I appreciate it. I'm sure we'll talk again. All right. And uh, take care of yourself, and hopefully I'll see you soon. 